Thanks for listening to the Proof of Money podcast, the most real and honest podcast in all of crypto. My name is Drew Griffin, and I hold no punches back when it comes to discussing the crypto market. In this episode, I interview Coin Icarus, the host of the Fun with Crypto podcast, as we discuss his journey down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, how you can run your own Bitcoin full node, how to add lightning features to that Bitcoin full node, and the importance of running a full node and why you should do it and how easy it is to run it on pretty much any type of computer. I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure you go to proofofmoney.substack.com, subscribe, make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Drew Griffin. Please leave me your comments, any feedback, and please share this with your friends and family. I hope you enjoy and thanks for listening. What's up, Crypto Nation? I'm in here with Coin Icarus, the host of the Fun with Crypto podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Drew, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Hey, anytime, man. So I brought you on here. A couple things we want to talk about is we're going to go over our Bitcoin philosophy. And then you're going to you wrote an article over uh, Bitcoin nodes and lightning nodes. And it's a great article. Uh, I'll post the link to it in my description. I hope anyone listening will read it. Uh, but then we can break that down for you. So just kind of start off. Uh, what brought you into Bitcoin and kind of give us, you know, your philosophy of Bitcoin? Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a great question. So, okay, um, I, I my background is a, I come from a background in network administration. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm pretty computer literate. And uh, I ended up specializing in something called access control, which is a, you know, a, has to do with keyless entry systems, which doesn't have anything to do with Bitcoin, but it does involve me a lot in um, uh, different types of, uh, let's say, you know, government affairs and whatnot. So I, I, I do end up, you know, seeing a certain aspect of, of society, I guess, that most people don't see. And, you know, as a result, it got me, you know, tripping down the rabbit hole of, you know, kind of what money is and, um, you know, uh, I guess Austrian economics, although I didn't know it as Austrian economics when I first got into it. Um, I, I just figured that it, it you know, this was a, a lesson that we were never taught because, um, and I'm going to take this from uh, one of my one of my good friends in the space, uh, Citizen Bitcoin, uh, who does a uh, podcast, the Citizen Bitcoin podcast, and he uh, he coined this term "default Keynesians," and and that's kind of what we are. You know, we we grew up in this in this society where you know we're taught that money is produced by and controlled by the government. And that's how it works. And the way that we regulate this money is by inflating it. Um, and as a result, what it's done is it's kind of given us derivative lives. And we've ended up trading our time for this money that gets inflated. And as a result, if, if we're looking at the bigger picture, our time is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Well, that's exactly it, man. And, uh, you know, I was, I was in education for seven years. And I can tell you that money isn't taught in schools. They tell you, they teach you how to balance a bank account. They don't teach you what money is. And, you know, I kind of had the same mindset when I started looking at what money is, what money isn't. And, you know, before I really understood uh, our government economics, you know, it always seemed to me that money, there was something fishy about it. How do you just keep printing more and more of it from thin air? So totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and of course, you know, um, uh, when I came out of school, uh, it was uh, 9/11 had just happened, and what happened in the in the tech sector is that a lot of the jobs dried up. 
So I, I got, you know, I was like uh, maybe 19 years old, 20 years old. And, and for me, right away, I, I began, you know, trying to figure out, okay, so, you know, there, there's got to be a way to preserve capital. And of course, you start looking at all the default things, you know, you start looking at gold, you start looking at silver, you look at stocks, um, you know, you look at bonds, all of these things. And, you know, you start to realize that, you know, your, your money has no choice but to go into one of these vehicles that you're not really an expert at. Yeah. If you, know? both, if, if you look at any wealthy person in the world, they don't hold on to large amounts of cash. They're all, like you're saying, they're putting in bonds, equities, whatever, but they're not holding on to fiat. Exactly. They're, they're, they totally aren't. And that's actually, to be perfectly honest, I, I believe that that's one of the things that, you know, the, the and, you know, I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but that's one of the things that the poor, I think, don't teach their children is that, you know, you if you leave your money as it is, it will always be worth less. And, and that's, that's a lesson I think the rich teach their kids is that you take that money and then you go make it work for you. So, so anyways, you know, so we, you know, you, you get stuck into all of these ideas and then you fast forward. And then of course, you know, like, uh, I, I had heard about it like everybody else, like, you know, back in 2009 when it first started and it was a big joke to me and, uh, you know, magic internet money, who's that, you know, who's the hell's going to use that? <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I had heard about it at least three times in like 2011, 2012. And like, that's such a typical story, you know? And, yeah. and I think, I think it was a lot of us. And, and I just, I totally laughed it off and I said, okay, you know what? Someone's going to use it and they're going to use it online. And that's about it. So then I, I fast forward to about, uh, 2017, early 2017 before, um, before the, the Bcash, uh, contentious fork. Um, and Bitcoin was around like $700 a, uh, yeah, around 700 bucks. And I, I was actually buying it to, uh, to use it, not actually to invest in it. I didn't see it as an investment. I just saw it as, a, you know, as a, a, a monetary unit of account, you know, to simply just do transactions. Well, what made you want to use it? Um, so it actually had to do with uh, that. I, I had to um, purchase something that required, uh, let's say, less friction. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, and as a result, you know, I, I had to use I, I had to use that type of you know that type of means. Okay. So you know, it was the uh, it was the best thing that I could find, and I had obviously had heard about it years before, and I was like, you know what? Let's take a look at this and let's see if it works. And um, so, like I was saying, at first, I I really wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't into investing in it or anything like that. And then I, I held on to it. Like one time I didn't end up using it all. Okay. And then three weeks later, I go to law. I like, I go to open my wallet and it's worth like, I think it was, it had gone up like 120% in that time. Oh, dang. And, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, so, so I obviously started to do a little more research because that's what happens. Like human beings are stupid. We, we look at things when they're going up. We don't look at things when they're going down. So, well, 120% is definitely an eye opener. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, why wasn't I paying attention to this when it was worth almost nothing? And like, that's the point. Like we're, we're just, I don't know, we're, we're wired to like follow the wrong thing. So we almost have to like retrain our brains. But anyways, like, you know, I, I go and I start doing research into this. And unfortunately from that, I, I found 
um, you know, altcoin exchanges. And I really had nobody to guide me and no, none of my friends were into Bitcoin. Yeah. So um, I dove into, I dove down the, uh, you know, the shitcoin rabbit hole and I just had no idea what I was buying anymore. You know what I mean? Like everything was like faster and was going to have a bigger network effect and they were going to, you know, put more data into the blocks and obviously they were going to have bigger blocks and, and, you know, you're going to have staking and you're going to have all kinds of, and like, you know, there's, it, it's like a whole world of like all kinds of stuff that doesn't exist. And you, you just, it, it's like, it, it, to me, it was like a world of illusion. Oh, I, it, I know what you're, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause when I first got into a Bitcoin and crypto was around the same time as you, uh, mid 2017. And when I started kind of looking at these new projects, these, you know, ICOs and your altcoins, and I would read the white paper and I would look and, you know, do some research on the teams. I thought these were some, you know, like big companies. I, I thought it was an actual, you know, business. And then the kind of the more research you do, you start realizing, well, it may just be a bunch of guys behind a laptops at their homes building these entire crypto projects. And it's not so much of this kind of corporate mindset and, you know, like big business that I kind of perceived it when I first got into the space. And it was really an eye opener to me, especially, uh, uh what's that? Oh, Tron. You know, I, when I first started looking into Tron, I thought that was, you know, like a big time corporation here. You have a guy who's been on like the, uh, 30 under 30 list and all this stuff, you know, trained with Jack Ma. And it was kind of a surprise to me to see that, well, you know, it's just a team of developers really creating these projects, raising, you know, millions and millions of dollars. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's kind of funny, right? Because I don't know if you saw, but uh, Justin Sun tweeted out today that uh, he won that lunch, that charity lunch with uh, Warren Buffett for yes. like, uh, <laughs> what, what, what did he spend, like $4.2 million or something yeah. like that? Yeah, $4.2 million. He, investor money you know it's like he anyways i to your point i mean the, it's it when you know what started to happen like to go back to this you know i started to look at all these projects and what what would happen is is that you know you start to look at all these other projects and you start to look at bitcoin and then what what at least what happened to me was i started to think well wait a second why why is bitcoin bitcoin and why are these other things you know they're, they're clearly different because Bitcoin isn't the company. There's nobody yeah. running Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Like, but all these other coins, they're all, they're all run by somebody. They're all run by a corporation or an entity of some type. And, and, and then I, I start to dig into like how Bitcoin was born and, and how, you know, there were essentially, you know, four iterations prior to Bitcoin, you know, like uh, Digicash and uh, uh, I think uh, eGold. Or, or eCash, I always, I always get them wrong. But, um, you know, like you, you, you start to look at these things and, you know, why did these things fail? Well, they, they failed because there was a centralized entity and there wasn't true, uh, you know, there wasn't true decentralization. There wasn't true trustlessness. Um, but they also, the only way that they were able to solve the double spend issue was because they had this centralized entity. And that's what makes Bitcoin so beautiful is that it, it solves the double spend issue. Yeah. You know, and, and it, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, uh, it's, what you were saying just goes to show how brilliant Satoshi was, whether it's one person or a group of people, just to kind of perceive all the stuff ahead of time and know, all right, you know, we need proof of work. We're gonna have to make sure it can't be inflated. And uh, all the different aspects of Bitcoin that make it great, 
you know, that really was just a, a brilliant invention of this Satoshi where there's one person, multiple people, whoever it may be. Oh yeah, I I totally agree. And and you know to your you know to your point like when you when you take a look at that, you see like he it's it's not that he was like the greatest programmer. I mean, if you go take a look and read back at his Bitcoin talk, uh you know, if you go look at some of the the Bitcoin talk information, like it's not that he was such a genius, but he was in the sense because he was creative enough to take these existing technologies and put them together and make them work together the same way that I, I mean you know it could sound corny but the same way that Edison you know figured out to suck the you know suck the air you know suck the oxygen out of the uh, out of the tube and then make you know make the light bulb work you know yeah. it's it, it is that exact same thing you know it's those two things already existed but he was creative enough to put those things together. And, and that's what was really cool about Satoshi. So, you know, when we go and we compare that, that type of technology and that kind of like, um, that kind of philosophy behind a, a creation, and then we compare it, I think, to these, these other projects, I, I just, to me, they all started to fall like dominoes, you know? And then, and, and as my illusions, you know, began to crumble, you know, and at that point now we fast forward to like the, um, the peak of 2017, like December, 2017, like Bitcoin 20 K, yeah, you know, and like, I, you know, I, I start to realize like really the only thing that matters is Bitcoin. So I, I slowly began to, you know, get rid of all of my alts as I did the research into the projects and compared them to Bitcoin and, you know, slowly got rid of my illusions. So, <laughs> And uh, and then, yeah, and then I became I don't like to call it a Bitcoin maximalist. I, I hope we could find another term because that that's that's giving credit to something that Vitalik created as a derogatory way to <laughs> to refer to us. So, you know, I'm going to say I'm a Bitcoin enthusiast, but like, yeah, you know, it, it definitely uh, it strikes a chord and then and then it aligns everything. You know, it aligns technology, it aligns, you know, your philosophy behind money. And then it actually starts to align your philosophy with how you live because of low time preference. Oh, yeah. So, so you're saying you're 100 percent Bitcoin in your portfolio. I am as of now 100 percent Bitcoin okay. in my portfolio. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, I, I do dabble in some of the altcoins and it's really the major ones, but None of them compare to Bitcoin. And to me, the main difference is Bitcoin is money. I view all the other currencies, uh, cryptos, as what they are, just a, a currency like PayPal is, like the U.S. dollar, like every government fiat. You know, because I don't, I don't consider money and currency the same thing. I think there's two distinct different definitions and mainly has to do with the store of value. But when, in my eyes, my philosophy, okay, Bitcoin, this is something that's going to store value over a long period of time because you can't inflate it versus every other uh, currency out there that's constantly losing value each day. But with stuff like Ethereum and, you know, maybe Litecoin and some other stuff, I, I think there's some value there, but I, I invest in it mainly just from a financial standpoint. You know, I'm, I'm looking to see a return on investment and it kind of allows me to diverse myself in the crypto space and not have 100 percent of my stuff in Bitcoin. Uh, you know, just kind of distribute some of your risk. But when you compare the two, like you were saying, none of them compare to Bitcoin. All right. Because Bitcoin is inflation proof, decentralized, sound money. And, you know, uh, God forbid something happens to the U.S. dollar. But if government fiats, you know, eventually do fail, 
I think Bitcoin is the next store of value for the long term. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree. You know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, right, at the end of the day, if we're all being honest, um, you know, money itself doesn't actually exist. You know, it's it's something that we all truly choose to coerce, to agree upon as a, you know, as, as a medium of exchange. Um, you know, that that's and, and to me, I know that people are going to argue with this. I know Peter Schiff obviously doesn't agree with this, but I, I think that gold is the same thing. Yes, I know that people cling to the old idea that because gold is useful, it has value. But at the end of the day, if we all look at this, it, it is a value that we all coerce to create. We all choose to agree. And that is simply what gives it its value. So if you ask me, Bitcoin is the better illusion. Bitcoin is that better version of that idea. It's easier for us to carry. It's more divisible. Um, it allows us, of course, as you mentioned, it's inflation proof. You know, it, it also allows us. I, I think that Bitcoin actually gives power back, you know, to the people. Oh, yeah. 100 you know? percent agree with that. <laughs> and, and, and let's be honest, you know, like not to turn this into a history lesson, but, you know, we like, you know, in, especially in America, like, you know, it's like we we've already tried, you know, it's like we, we tried to get it back and look and like now we're, we've been stuck since 1933 with the Federal Reserve like that. that that's a scam. Oh, yeah. Like that, that, that's a total scam. And it's not just here in the U.S. Like I'm a Canadian. Canada has a central bank, too. We're borrowing from the same masters. Yeah. You know, it, and it always cracks me up because we fight inflation so hard. They do everything they can to fight inflation. But the easiest thing to do would just be stop printing money. <laughs> inflation over the day you quit printing more of it out. Exactly. But you know what it is? It's it's human greed. And another thing actually that we, we could bring up is is unit bias. Like human beings, I, it's, it's kind of the funniest thing, right? You, you were talking about, you know, dabbling in some of the other altcoins. Like psychologically, when you go look at a portfolio and you see that you have only uh, 1.3 Bitcoin, you know, compared to like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many, you know, you know, hundreds of, you know, like millions of Tron. Yeah. You know, like it's like. That, that's pure unit bias. And people sit there and they think, oh, I just need it to go up a little bit. Like, but, but there's a reason why it's garbage. Like, there's a reason why it's so cheap. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing in the equity world. You know, like people sit there and they're like, oh, you know, you could buy so much of a penny stock. There's a reason why it's that cheap. Yes, okay, of course, you can have the odd situation where some, you know, most people don't know about it. But the reality is enough people already know about it and it's garbage. No, you're right. People, because you see it all the time, even on like social media, uh, people give out a thousand worth of whatever, whatever crap coin they're issuing at. Well, <laughs> it's really worth like five cents. Of course, they're going to give it out for free. But people say, oh, a thousand of it, you know, so they do the retweet or leave a comment, whatever scam they're trying to play, you know, to get social media engagements. But yeah, people, we de people suck at two things, like you were saying, you know, <laughs> looking at numbers correctly. And then even worse is spending money. People are horrible, especially federal governments, at spending money. And that's the main problem and the main need for Bitcoin. I, I definitely agree. I, I think that, you know, what would be interesting it, if we could actually get the government to separate from the money production, I, I actually believe that it would force the government to be more accountable. Oh, hands down. You know, the reason that I would like to see... Uh, some sort of federal currency on a blockchain is so we can see every dollar that gets spent. 
Because if they had to publicly uh, let the world know what they're spending money on, let their citizens know every dime that they spent, I think they would be a little bit more careful how they just blow through their money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it, it would be an eye-opener and a shocker to every citizen in the world what their tax dollars really go to. You know, it's it's kind of interesting, right, uh, what you're bringing up about, you know, having that kind of visibility. So, you know, th- there's always a lot of talk I find about chainalysis companies and, oh, you know, they can, you know, they, they can figure out every single transaction. If you really dig deep, and this is, to be honest, it's kind of interesting because the, the mainstream media, um, I hate to group them all together, but, you know, as an entity, as a group, they're ignorant. Oh, yeah. And and they you know they they try to pretend like oh you know there's like there's companies out there that can analyze every single transaction and blah 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 all this stuff. I, I got to be honest with you, it, it's Bitcoin is pseudonymous, which means it is not that simple to trace the transactions back to their source. You got you got to be doing something really worthy of getting your entire transactions traced, wouldn't you think? Exactly. And and they've already proven that when they try to do that, they don't even get it right. Yeah. I don't know if you remember those guys. I, I don't, uh, I'm really bad with timing. Like it could be three months ago. It could have been six months ago. And uh, like they were associated with like some kind of like somehow like Bitcoin and terrorism or something like that. And it turned out that these people had nothing to do with it. Like nothing at all. You know, they, they were just some poor suckers that bought Bitcoin. Yeah. that's You know, like it's... And then the government just says, oh, your fault for buying Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, exactly. So they, they went out and they proved it. And of course, like it's silenced right away. And all of a sudden it just disappears. Like, and anyways, it, it's the really, media, it's really sad. The media really is a shame what they say about Bitcoin because it's just so untrue. You know, it's just, they know nothing about it. And of course they do the same thing with basically any topic, but yeah, just there, there's such a separation in my eyes between a person that knows nothing about Bitcoin and learning about it just because of all the nonsense that's out there. And it's just I think that's why we're seeing such a slower you know, adoption to getting new people into Bitcoin right now. It's just because of the learning curve, because there's so much misinformation. Yeah, I definitely agree. So uh, to your point about the misinformation, um, you know, the only thing we can really do, I think, is um, we can battle it by creating good content that is that is objective and that gives correct information because essentially what what we have mostly out there are a bunch of shill factories oh yeah you know like bitcoin none of us are paying or none of us are being paid to to talk about bitcoin you know what i mean like i don't get a monthly check from the bitcoin corporation you know or anything like that like i talk about it because i believe that it's something that everybody should be exposed to at a very minimum. Start to learn about it yeah, because need to know about it. Yeah. Um, I was going through Quora, you know, people typing questions and people go through an answer. And I was answering some questions about Bitcoin. I'm like five different posts. OK, I saw a person shilling some website that they were claiming will double your Bitcoin every week. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God, you know, what poor sap is clicking on this? answer to their question on Quora.com and they getting suckered into some sort of scam where they think that they'll double their money every single seven days. Yeah. So I think you bring up a good point. Like, and if I recall, you said you, you got into it right before the, uh, the 2017, uh, peak. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure that you saw all the HYIPs or high yield investment programs and, 
and and essentially what these are are these scam websites. So this is for you know all the listeners out there who don't already know it. Um, nobody is going to give you. 5% or 10% or any kind of percent daily on your Bitcoin for doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, never hand your Bitcoin over. It's, it's, it's not worth it. Like, you are going to get scammed. That's what they do. What, what was BitConnect? It was like 40% oh my God. or something like that. Oh, BitConnect. And, and BitConnect was like mind-boggling because the price was like, you know, you're sitting there, you know, you're trying to explain to people to get into Bitcoin and you're like, you know, you're being all honest and you're telling them, look, if you're going to do this right, you're going to buy Bitcoin. I know it's a little expensive, but you're good. You're going to accumulate it slowly and you're trying to, you know, sing to them the praises of it. And in the meantime, BitConnect, some total piece of garbage is paying you and it goes up to $400. Like, yeah, it's wild. Oh, it was brutal. It was it was absolutely brutal. And and like you just had to wait for that. I mean, I don't know if you remember the players in that game. You know, like you like you'd go on YouTube and see guys like uh you know, like Trevon James or something like that and, mm-hmm. and and you're just like, Oh my god, how are these people allowed to get away with this? It's such a scam. <laughs> like it anyone who can do math, just basic math, start with a hundred dollars and you'll realize in less than twenty minutes that it's physically impossible. Yeah, I think I, I think I did it one time. Like a thousand dollar investment would turn into like four million in a year. Some some ridiculous. And people, they just I guess greed gets to them. They just get suckered it, into it. It's amazing. I I mean, look, you know, greed greed is like you know, greed is good. You know, to you know, coin uh, what is it to quote. Uh, who was it, Gordon Gecko that said that in uh, the original Wall Street? Mm-hmm. And and it is, I think, because it, it does motivate people. It, it does motivate people to positive action. Um, but unfortunately, depending on where the what the source is, it may also you know motivate people to negative action, and and that's what we saw a lot of in in 2017. You know, and that, and that's what we unfortunately still continue to see, not at such an alarming rate, but I think that that's because a lot of the interest has died. But we we still see it. It the they're not. There's no shortage now. They're not ICOs anymore. Now they're what, exchange uh, IEOs. IEOs? Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's it's the same garbage. It's just packaged with yeah. with, with a different bow. If if you're in an IEO and you're not in the first like two seated rounds, you're getting ripped off. Oh yeah. Those, those are the only people making. So if you're listening to this, you're thinking about getting an IEO. If you're not in those private rounds. You're gonna. You're the person footing the bill for all those private investors. That's how they're making money's off of you. So if you listen to this, stay away from IEOs. It's, it's like Coin Icarus has been saying. It's just a rebranded ICO, and it's all one big scam. So if you want, I can give everybody a, a terrible story because let's, yeah, let's w- hear it. W- once upon a time, um, so when I was shitcoining and I first got into this, I, I said to myself, I can get you know the next Bitcoin, of course, like everybody else can. So I, I invested in uh, Unicoin Gold, I, I think it was. That, that was an ICO at the time. I had never done an ICO before. And yes, I ended up losing, uh, I think it was like something like 98% or I don't even know what it is. But... That was absolutely a terrible experience, number one. And But I have to say, lucky for me, I didn't put a lot of money into it. I only put something like, I think it was like uh, 800 bucks at yeah. the time, which I, I know it's like I'm, I'm making it sound like it's not much. Yes, it, it is a lot of money, um, but it's just not a lot in the grand scheme of things. You know, like you can make that back. Yeah. You know, like that. that's an easy number, I think, to reattain. So... 
anyways, um, I, I just, it, it taught me a lot. Um, it, it, and it kind of, it, it was one of those moments, it was one of those experiences that pointed me back to looking at Bitcoin and saying, maybe I was, maybe I was right all along with this first thing. Maybe I should have just stayed there. And, and that's another thing I, I want to mention. I, as a result of shitcoining, I absolutely have less Bitcoin today than I started with. So, I, I, I mean, if you're a great trader, good for you. I, I, like, I mean, awesome. I totally appreciate that. Like, I, I think it's fantastic and that you can make a living out of it. Anybody who's out there who can do that. I'm not one of those people who's blessed with that. And as a result, hodling and dollar cost averaging works for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Especially, that's going to be your normal investor. They just need to hold for the long term. Because I really wondered about the, the altcoin trading. I think the amount of profit you can actually make for the average trader is very small. Now, of course, like you're saying, there's some guys out there that are just amazing at it. They make a living off of it, you know, probably make millions of dollars doing it. But for the majority of people, I think they don't have access to that data. They don't have, you know, the speed of that data coming in or the skills to really make a, a good living off altcoin trading. I think it's kind of a facade. And a lot of people post stuff, I think, on social media just to kind of get attention and, you know, draw engagements and stuff like that. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. 100%. Well, uh, let's, let's talk about your article a little bit. So you wrote a great article over running a – I think it was just a lightning note. You didn't really talk yeah. too much about the Bitcoin node. But uh, so if anyone listening kind of knew the Bitcoin, you know, interested in running the full node, what, what's the benefits and kind of why would someone want to – run a full Bitcoin Bitcoin node versus, you know, maybe a, a not a full Bitcoin node? Okay, well, so, I mean, for me, um, running a Bitcoin node, it, it kind of goes back to something that Trace Mayer uh, explained. And if, uh, you know, for your podcast listeners who don't know who Trace Mayer is, they should definitely check him out. Um, he also does a podcast. And right now I feel terrible because I don't remember the name of it. I don't know if you know it. <laughs> Um, I forget names all the time. I, I'm terrible <laughs> at this. I, I feel so bad. But anyways, you, you could just look him up. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult to find. But he, he is, you know, obviously one of the OGs of Bitcoin. And um, he, he goes back to a concept called the, uh, you know, a first class citizen of Bitcoin or a first class Bitcoin citizen. And one of those tenants is to run a full node. So the benefits of running a full node, number one, is you help verify the transactions on the network. So in no way, I just want to make it clear to any noobs out there, in no way is running a full node meaning that you're mining. Okay, you're not, you're not mining any Bitcoin. So just making sure people know that. Um, all, all you're doing is helping verify transactions. Now that's, it's not nothing. You know, so you are still contributing to the network. You're contributing on the verification side. The other thing about running a full node is that if you make Bitcoin payments, you can sign and verify your own payments. So you're contributing to the decentralization. You're contributing to the verification and you can sign your own payments. So just to me anyways, those three things are, are important enough. Yeah, I, I agree with it. So really... If you're listening out there, running a full node, you're contributing to the network. So if you're a believer in Bitcoin, it's just kind of one more way to add to the network. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you help make it more secure by every you know full node that joins the network. Is that correct? You are absolutely right. As part of the uh, as part of verifying the transactions, every piece of software that comes on that's running the Bitcoin Core code, um, that that helps strengthen the network. 
And then like you were saying, if you're a believer of, you know, 100% controlling uh, your own Bitcoin transactions, you can sign off on that. So that would be the benefits. Okay, so what's what's a little bit different from a Bitcoin full node and a Lightning node? Okay, so I, I'm going to try to make this as easy as possible. There is so much great material already out there, especially on Medium. Um, but essentially, think of Lightning as a second layer solution on top of Bitcoin. Um, so imagine Bitcoin as the base layer. That's the layer where all of the transactions settle. That's where they settle in their final state, okay? Lightning is essentially a layer, okay? Think of it as like a software layer on top of Bitcoin, where essentially what you do is, for example, let's say you have the software on your computer. So you're running the Bitcoin Core software and you install, let's say, uh, Pierre Rochard's node launcher, okay? Because I'm assuming the, you know, people are running Windows. So you go and you install, even though uh, his node launcher does work on Linux and Apple as well, just pointing that out. But anyways, um, so you go and install the node launcher. So now what you do is you enable this second layer on top of Bitcoin. And what that means is, is that at that point, you can transfer money because that's what you have to do to use Lightning. You transfer funds, let's say, from your Bitcoin wallet into your Lightning wallet, which runs on top of Bitcoin. And then from there, you can... Uh, you can open channels to different people that you want to make payments to, um, but you don't necessarily have to, well, yeah, no, you do have to, no matter what, you're opening a channel to make a payment. Um, but another thing that you can do if you choose to is, is you could actually be a routing node where your Bitcoin, um, you can put, you could load more Bitcoin into your Lightning wallet, okay, and then establish some channels to some bigger nodes. And then what happens is, is that your node, provided you have the right TCP IP ports open, your node can be used as, as a routing node so that payments can be made through your node. And that way, whenever your node gets used, you make a very, very, very small amount of Satoshis every time for routing the payments. So it could be used to make payments, but it could also be used to route payments. So for anyone listening, can you give them kind of a rundown of how the Lightning payments work? Um, okay, so I, how so? Like, uh, like, so if, you know, I'm sending you uh, Bitcoin, how would that money get routed through the Lightning network? Okay, so that's like that. That's definitely um, and I'm definitely not an expert on that. I just want to start by saying that. But from everything I have learned, okay, and speaking with some devs, um, it should never take more than five hops, okay? And think of a hop as an individual node, okay? So no payment should take more than five hops because then it's just too many fees. And from what I've understood, um, the way that it's chosen, so you can manually open, like let's say you and I, Drew, decided, let's say I wanted to send you a lightning payment. I could open a channel directly to you and then send you a payment directly, right? The, the same way that we can do with Bitcoin, but it's just going to cost us a lot less, right? But let's say I want to go and buy something, like I want to go to a, uh, you know, like a lightning-enabled store, you know, and I want to buy a T-shirt or some stickers. Well, I have no knowledge of the nodes in between my node and that final destination. So what's going to happen is, is that the best path is going to be chosen by the algorithm, 
So it's it's not like you're not gonna be you're not gonna be doing that work manually. I just, I just send it to the address and it gets routed. Exactly. For me. Well, uh, what? So you're saying so really kind of a benefit of using Lightning is it's quicker, right? Yeah. And it's also it, a little bit cheaper, especially when the Bitcoin network gets congested. It's faster, it's cheaper, and it's also much more, believe it or not, it's much more anonymous than base layer Bitcoin transactions. Because it's routed through different hops. So number, it's actually because if you think about it, the transactions, and this is the key, one of the keys to Lightning um, as I see it, um, the, it's, it might even be one of the more difficult things to understand, but the transaction doesn't truly complete, okay? until we close those channels and the uh, and, and we'll say the the transaction settles onto the base layer gotcha. so, so if you think about it we could do um, an unlimited number of transactions between unknown parties on the lightning network and then cash out at the end of that that set of transactions and nobody will know who was involved in between so it's yeah so it's just more private more secure so as that thing goes across each hop you were saying that the fees increase is each fee paid out the same to each person or is it if you're kind of further in the route do you get a higher fee i that's something i don't really know much about unfortunately i mean i've done some basic calculations on my own node and it's it's really negligible yeah. Um, I, I unfortunately don't have better data, you know, to, to you know, to provide the listeners with. But I, I can say that um, from from what I've seen, it, it doesn't seem to matter where you are on the network uh, in terms of in terms of the fee. Uh, like it, it's just going to be the uh, it's just going to be the same amount from what I've seen. But again, I, I really haven't done that much testing with it. That that would be a question for some, you know, for some real devs. Much yeah. higher level. <laughs> uh, well, comparing the two, just a Bitcoin node versus a Lightning node, what's the difficulty in setting each one up? Is the Lightning node much more difficult, or are they both pretty pretty simple? Um, I mean, I, I would say that setting up a Bitcoin Core node is um, is is the um, is the easiest between the two um, because Lightning. I mean, look, if you're going to, so I think this kind of goes, now this kind of goes to a, a different area. It goes to custodial versus non-custodial because you could easily download an app on your phone, you know, like Blue Wallet. And, you know, you can load money into your lightning channels, you know, into your lightning wallet. Well, obviously, first you'd have to transfer BTC to it. And then you would transfer that BTC to the lightning wallet portion of the app. But the point is, is that you'd be using someone else's node you'd be using someone else's channels. So that's really easy. That's probably easier than setting up a Bitcoin node, you know? But yeah. it, it's it, you're totally not, I mean, you're not helping the network. You're doing nothing. Like, not not to be a, you know, it, it's cool that you're using, you know, Bitcoin in that way, but you're not contributing to, you know, the health of the network per se. And so if someone uses that type of app, do they, do they get any of the fees or it's just kind of like, hey, if you want to join the Lightning Network, you know, download this app? No, you're, you're just a light client. You're, you're yeah. not routing anything. I mean, if you want to be a routing node, you have to have a, you know, you, you have to be running a Bitcoin full node and Lightning on top of it. 
so there, there's obviously different, you know, you could, you could do this through a, uh, in my article, I detail, uh, doing it through a raspy blitz. Um, you could also go and buy a utility node, like a noddle, uh, which I've heard great things about. Actually, I did a, a podcast with, uh, Matt O'Dell recently, and, um, I, I didn't know that, that they had a noddle once upon a time. Um, and it, it was really cool to hear some feedback about it. So you could have a noddle, you could have a Casa node. So there's, there's different types of nodes for different types of users, but no matter what, um, in this scenario, you have to have a Bitcoin full node. And, uh, so when you run your lightning node and you're, you know, routing transactions, getting a couple set, uh, sats from it, uh, does the money you receive outweigh the electricity costs or do you actually lose money for running, running a lightning node? So, I mean, you're just, in my case, I, I'm running Raspberry Pis, you know, so I'm, I'm running these tiny little devices. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but, you know, they're, they're really negligible in terms of power. So, I, I mean, I'm using a, a 5 volt, 3 amp supply. I've got five of them plugged in. I, I don't even notice. It, it's, it's, a, it's not even a blip. But to answer your question... I'm not really sure if it offsets the cost. I, yeah. um, it's going to sound stupid to the to the people that are way more into this for the money aspect, which I, I know kind of sounds counterintuitive because that's what Bitcoin, you know, that Bitcoin is what Bitcoin is. <laughs> but I, I don't really do it necessarily for the fact I'm going to make money off this. Like, yeah, I run Lightning because I think it's cool. I think it's really interesting. It's I I was always a, an enthusiast uh, when it comes to you know computers and you know just technology. So for me, this is a natural extension. I, I think it's cool to build the nodes. I think it's cool to help the network. I think it's cool to be a routing node. All of my, well, right now I have two nodes that are fully functional out of, uh, out of all of them. Um, the other two I use for testing, but those two nodes are both routing nodes. But I mean, we're, you're contributing to the network and it's Bitcoin is something that is very, very important, especially as we move forward with declining uh, government currencies and, you know, to me, the reason I do my podcasts and all my articles and newsletter and stuff like that is that that's to me, that's my way of contributing to the Bitcoin community and stuff like that, because I also have another reason. And that is the financial side, you know, investing. But, you know, opening up a lightning node, open up a full node, anything you can do to kind of help out the Bitcoin network, add security to it, keep it decentralized and kind of spread the word is, you know, is it, it doesn't need a monetary reward. We're all contributing to something that's as important as Bitcoin is. And I think it's awesome, man, that, you know, you're building nodes, you're doing a podcast. I really do enjoy your podcast and your articles and all that stuff you've been putting out. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. And actually, you, you know, you bring up a good point about contributing, you know, to Bitcoin by doing a podcast. So, I mean, I, you've listened to my podcast and I'll just, I'll reiterate it. I, you know, I'm not a dev. I don't write code, and the code that I have written is is a steaming pile of crap. It it doesn't work. None of it ever works, and that's okay. I, I don't mind that it doesn't work. It's it's part of learning, right? Yeah. But like the the point I'm making is is that you know we each have to find our way to contribute. And at first, the only thing I was able to do was buy Bitcoin. That was the only way I knew how to contribute. I I learned to not be a shitcoiner. And I learned to run a full node and I learned to only buy Bitcoin. And then I started, you know, and then I figured when we got to the bear market, when we got to like October 2018, I was like, you know what? The, there, there's not enough positive voices out there. 
Like, there is so much going on in Bitcoin, there's so much technology, like, all I would see on the news is the price. Everyone's talking about how the price is going down and the price is going down, but yet, on Twitter, all I saw was, was all these people tweeting about, oh man, you know, we just, we just came out with this update, you know, we're, we're gonna review this BIP, you know, and, and, and it's just like, um, uh, BIP is a Bitcoin improvement program, by the way. Uh, so, you, you're looking at all these things and you're seeing all this development and you're like, Hold on a second, there's a huge disparity here between mainstream media and what I'm seeing from the people that are actually in this space. So I got into podcasting specifically to, you know, to do that and, and to do just like you, to, to help share the stories. You know, like it's, it, I think it's important and it, it also helps bring new people into the fold to realize that, you know, this isn't just for the heavy tech savvy. You know, there's a lot of people that are in Bitcoin that come from accounting backgrounds, economic backgrounds. They're not, you know, they're, they're not computer technicians. They're not engineers. They're not programmers. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's all walks of life in this industry. And uh, you're definitely right. Every, every person I brought on my podcast or had a conversation with about Bitcoin or cryptos that's been involved in the community. It's just it's always been a positive, awesome conversation. And and so I think what we see in the media every day is a sham because it's not what's really going on inside Bitcoin, inside of crypto. It's just, you know, media runs with whatever story that'll please the mainstream who's watching. But yeah, uh, so if you're listening, Coin Icarus, great podcast. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Uh, make sure you listen to his podcast. Anything else you want to leave us with before we get out of here? Um, just, you know, be reckless, have fun. And if you want to catch me, like you said on Twitter, I'm at Coin Icarus. Thank you so much for being on your podcast. I really appreciate it, Drew. This was awesome. Hey, we'll have to do it again, man. It's been a pleasure. Cool. All right. Make sure if you're listening, follow me on Twitter at Drew Griffin. Make sure you subscribe to me on YouTube. All right. I just started putting out a new, new newsletter, Proof of Money newsletter. Make sure you subscribe. The entire month of June is free. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out every day this week and next week. I'll see you next time.